0: You can also find us on the web at VineyardBrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. One of the things I like about this room is that we have a, just a little bit of an elevation. And on a night like tonight, I like to, like to put the cross front and center Of course, you look at our room, it's not exactly the center, but we do the best we can with the way it's set up. We've been talking about the arrangement of the room this week. But as I said earlier, we, we come together this evening to reflect on and to remember the death of Jesus. And so far this evening, we've sang about We've sang songs about the death of Jesus and the cross. And everything we do as part of celebrating Holy Week in the church brings us to this point. Do I have a little bit of an echo? Oh, okay. Okay, all right. We're experimenting with the lights too, so. But everything we've done and and that we're doing as part of Holy Week. And the church brings us to this point, which is to the point of the death of Jesus Christ on on the cross. Now in these few moments tonight, I want to pose this this question. What's so good about Good Friday? To help us answer this question, I want to read the account of the crucifixion of Jesus from the Gospel of John in its entirety. And if you can, if you might be sleepy, you might not want to do this, but if you can, I'd like for you to to close your eyes and just let the words of John just kind of wash over your soul this evening. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John chapter 19 beginning in verse 1. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove him a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went, inside, went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him. But the Jewish leaders shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. And when they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, Change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, No. What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers had crucified Jesus. They divided his clothes among the four of them. And they also took his robe but it was seamless, woven from one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. And this fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother standing there beside the disciple He loved, He said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And He said to His disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into His home. Jesus knew that His mission was now finished, and to now fulfill Scripture, He said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders did not want bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may also continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the Scriptures that say, "...not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one they have pierced." Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came back and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following the Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb, never used before. And so, because it, it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. When we read the four Gospels, The largest portion of each book is devoted to telling the story of the death of Jesus. It was a gruesome, merciless act of cruelty. The remaining books of the New Testament spend the majority of their time explaining what happened on the cross and what it means for those who choose to follow Jesus. And one of the reasons that I love to celebrate Good Friday is that it allows us to pause and it gives us time to consider the sacrifice that was made our salvation possible. The joy we experience on Easter Sunday was made possible by the atonement for sin that was paid on Good Friday. This is no cheap grace. It cost the Father everything. Now, have you ever wondered if it was really necessary for Jesus to die? I've thought about that. I mean, if God is all-powerful, couldn't He just forgive everyone or teach everybody how to love each other? That would be far easier. It wouldn't have been as costly, but it really wasn't that simple. In the book of Genesis, when God created mankind, He said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky The livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Now, we all know the the creation story. The text says God created mankind, the pinnacle of His creation. In his image. So when we talk about being created in the image of God, Adam looked like God. He acted like God. He reflected what God was like. He was God's representative on earth. Adam was pure and good. He could reason, make decisions, and choose. He was a free moral being created for relationship with God. Now, if you've read the book of Genesis, you know it didn't take more than a chapter into the creation story that Adam and Eve made a choice that altered all of history. As free moral beings... They disobeyed and sinned against God. And their choice plunged them into a life of guilt and shame and threw the entire world into corruption, sin, and in death. All of mankind was tainted and completely separated from God. We all live in a, a world that's based on performance if we can just try a little bit harder, if we can just do a little bit more, we can somehow figure it out and we can make things work. Consequently, we think that if we do enough, if we do things right, that we can work our way to God. We might be holy enough. We might be godly enough at some point that we might be able to achieve godliness. Holiness before the Lord. Well, all the world's major religions, with the exception of Christianity, are built around this principle, trying to find God on our terms. But the corruption of sin made it impossible for man to approach God on our terms. We can't simply get there on our own in order for mankind to be reconciled to God, God would have to bridge the gap. And that's what Good Friday is all about. God became a man, the second Adam, the Apostle Paul says, and He became the perfect sacrifice. Jesus succeeded where the first Adam failed. God took the initiative and reconciled us to Himself through Jesus. And Paul explained it this way in Galatians chapter 4, where he said, When the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Jesus became a human. He experienced what it was like to be tired, to be hungry, to be sleepy. And yet he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he also died a very public, sacrificial death to redeem all of mankind from the corruption of sin. In the simplest of terms, Jesus died so that we didn't have to. He explained the purpose of His life and death to His disciples like this in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for all eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. The principle of self-sacrifice is is recognized throughout the universe as the highest form of love. Giving up one self for another. And it was exemplified by God and lived out in the life of Jesus. God's nature of self-sacrifice is captured in the most familiar verse from the Gospel of John. And it's the words of Jesus where He said, God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. God so loved that He gave. God took the initiative and did what we couldn't do. Jesus was that kernel of wheat that gave birth to a whole new harvest of life. Jesus sacrificed His life to give life to the world. Now, One of my favorite comics of all time, comic strips, there actually are newspapers and there still are comics. Well, one of my favorites was one called BC. It follows the adventures of a group of cavemen set in prehistoric times. It was the creation of the late Johnny Hart, who was a Christian. And one of my favorite editions was one called Good Friday. In it, the character says, I hate the term Good Friday. Why? The second asked. The first responds, My Lord was hanged on a tree that day. And the second says, Well... If you were going to be hanged on that day and He volunteered to take your place, how would you feel? The first responds, good. And the second says, have a nice day. You see, we can call today Good Friday because Jesus died in our place to forgive our sins and give us the opportunity to live the rest of our lives for Him. And that is why we call it good.